Coming to you from North Central Ohio, we share with you the voice of the Nazarene, a week-by-week venture into the Word of God sponsored by the Bucyrus, Ohio Church of the Nazarene. We join our pastor, Reverend Ray LaSalle, and the voice of the Nazarene. Pastor, we await what God has laid upon your heart for our ears this morning. Let's welcome the pastor, please. Amen. More than 2,000 years ago on that first Palm Sunday, the stage was all set, the curtains begin to rise, and you enter into that final week in the life of Christ's earthly ministry. The drama begins to unfold, and Jesus Christ, Son of God, Son of Man, not half man, half God, but 100% man, and 100% God. You say, I don't understand it. It doesn't matter. You just need to accept it. Came riding into the city of Jerusalem. Perhaps 2.5 million people were crowded into those narrow streets of that ancient city, converging on what we call the Passover week, the Passover time. Garments are spread across the road and branches are torn down from trees that fanned the same air that carried the shouts of Hosanna. None of this was an accident. Jesus knew everything that was happening. He had already arranged for a coat to be brought to him by two of his disciples. And it was no accident that marked the mode of his transportation, coat. Matthew reveals that Jesus has set the stage for what we call the Holy Week that had been prophesied and spoken centuries before by Zechariah in his ninth chapter and the ninth verse, and Isaiah picked it up in the 62nd chapter and verse 11. And it says, say to the daughter of Zion, see your king comes to you gentle, riding a colt. Call it the first century or the 21st century. It really doesn't matter. The picture remains the same. A king is coming. You need to get acquainted with your king. Now we... We don't understand monarchy systems. And only through the eyes of the media have we encountered a coronation of a king coming, riding in, and accepting his authority and his leadership and his dominion. There there weren't any swords crossed on that first Palm Sunday. There wasn't any 21-gun salute, but there was a king. There was a king. I don't know what you think of in regards to Palm Sunday. I don't know what thoughts flutter and filter through your thinking apparatus. But what came to my mind this year were three things. I I thought, first of all, the coat. It was a coat. Jesus said, I have need of him. And I'm amazed when I scatter my attention through divine writ at how animals many times were used. 
I didn't mention it, I don't think, during the Jonah series, but when God changed his mind and spared the city of Nineveh, because there were 120,000 people that did not know their right hand from their left hand, and then it adds, and much cattle. One of the reasons he spared the city, if you've got an NIV, it says because of many animals, for some reason, God cares about even the animals. Isn't that kind of interesting? You study how Satan used a, a serpent to, to get the attention and to communicate with Eve. God put a curse on the serpent that it would ride on his stomach all of its days and eat of the dust of the ground. And then to think how God uses animals in the Old Testament it was a donkey, and I'm being kind when I call it a donkey, that poor old blind, disobedient Balaam running from God, a donkey spoke to him to get his attention. And in the New Testament, struggling was a backslidden apostle by the name of Peter. And Jesus caused a rooster to crow at least three times. And to think that God would prepare a great fish to swallow Jonah. And now he said that he needed a colt. Let me read it to you. The story is picked up here in John 12, 12. On the next day, much people that were come to the feast, when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, took branches of palm trees and went forth to meet him and cried, Hosanna, blessed is the king of Israel that cometh into the name of the Lord. And then look at verse 15. Behold, the king cometh setting on a colt. These things understood not his disciples at the first. But when Jesus was glorified, then remembered they that these things were written of him and that they had done these things unto him. People, therefore, that was with him when he called Lazarus out of his grave and raised him up from the dead bear record. This caused the people also met him, but that they'd heard that he had done this miracle. The Pharisees therefore said among themselves, perceive you how you prevail nothing. Behold, the world is gone after him. And I'd like to also throw another little passage of scripture in on this Palm Sunday account. So we'll get a peripheral view of what's happening. It's Mark chapter 11. Beginning in verse 1, and when they came near to or nigh to Jerusalem unto Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, he sendeth forth two of his disciples, saith unto them, Go your way into the village over against you, and as soon as you enter into it, you will find a colt tied, whereon never man sat, loose him and bring him. And if any man say unto you, Why do you this? Say you that the Lord hath need of him, and straightway he will send him hither. And they went away and found the colt tied by the door without in a place where two ways met. And they loose him, and certain of them stood there, said unto him, or them, what are you doing loosening the colt? And they said unto them, even as Jesus had commanded, and they let them go. And they brought the colt to Jesus, cast their garments on him, and he set upon him. And many spread their garments in the way, and others cut down branches off the trees and uh, strewed them in the way. 
And they that went before and they that followed cried, saying, Hosanna, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Blessed be the kingdom of our father David that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. A coat. I said a coat. I want you to bring a coat. You'll find that coat. And tell them that the Lord hath need of him. I came this morning to tell you on this Palm Sunday that the Lord has need of you also. You may be like that little coat. You may feel unnoticed, maybe unnecessary, and maybe unworthy, and maybe you feel of little value. And maybe you feel like you've been overlooked and you've been unnoticed and not very important. And like that little coat standing there that day, you never thought. He didn't have a clue that he'd play such a great role in the spiritual kingdom of Jesus Christ. Fact of the matter, nobody had ever paid him much attention, but the master and the creator of the universe sent for him. That tells me that he has a plan for your life, and he has a place of usefulness at the head of his parade for you. That coat, it'll never be a white stallion. It'll never be a great prancing steed, but Jesus needed that coat. And uh, he headed up the parade and he walked on a carpet of green grass and, and palm branches and clothes. But the Bible not only said that he had need of him, but it said that you'll find him tied. Verse 2 of chapter 11. That's the way that Jesus found me when he came into my life. I was tied up in my life. And maybe you find yourself all tied up with your habits, tied up in sin. Maybe you find yourself bound up in addictions this morning. Maybe you find that your thought life is all tortured and twisted and, and tormented in all kinds of directions. Maybe you find that you've got attitudes that are out of sorts with others and you're dealing with anger and rage and jealousy and envy and introversion and, and maybe you're seething and plotting and planning. There's people that wrestle with all kinds of mental, emotional, attitudinal problems. I don't know where you're at this morning, but I want you to know you can't untie yourself. You need an outside source. You need a power much greater than yourself. And it said, when you come to him, I want you to loose him. And the two men of God untie that coat from his old hitching post and from his former life. My question to you this morning, have you been loosed yet? Have you been set free? Have you been delivered? He said, you'll find the coat in a place where two ways meet. Do you know God knows exactly the place where we are? He knows if we're struggling in our faith. He knows if our marriage, he knows just exactly where our marriage is and where relationships are that we're involved with. And he knows what we're wrestling with and what's keeping us from being faithful or being fruitful. And, and he knows the place that we are, our struggles. Nathaniel, he said, I see you. I saw you behind that tree. And he said, you'll find him where two ways met. That's where I was. I had to make a choice, which way? By going God's way or the world's way? I had a decision to make. I had a choice to make. I had to settle some things. There were issues that need to be resolved in my life and probably yours. 
And he goes on talking about the colt that had never been ridden, it had never been broken. It reads, whereon never man sat. Jesus broke him in. Do you know Jesus only uses broken things? He can't use arrogance. He can't use pride. He can't use an old-all attitude. Some people know everything. I don't know why I even study anything. I just need to ask them. They know it all. And God can't use that. And he, he found this coat never had been broken yet, but he broke him in. It had never been ridden yet, but he rode him. And then in verse 5, it just kind of changes the direction. And certain of them that stood there said unto them, What do you loosening the coat? You know, there will always be people questioning. Questioning our lives and questioning why we ever made a move from our life of sin and into the life of saviorhood. Why? Why this? Why? They question leadership. They, they, they question everything. There's a lot of folk question how, how do some people have the success they have and I don't seem to have the success. They question. And then on that first Palm Sunday, as I looked at it again this year, I saw not only the coat, but I, I saw a crown. I see a Christ riding into that city. Millions are gathered and the streets are crowded and they're trying to make a way and they're throwing down palm branches and He's riding in as Lord of Lord and King of Kings. You say, Pastor, I don't see a crown. Get your glasses on. He'd receive many crowns and he'll get more crowns yet. You may not see it, but he has a crown for he left behind the great world of kingdom and power and pomp and pageantry and stepped into our world as a lowly savior. Now, the natural man wanted to see a king riding in. Uh, the Jews, they longed and they dreamed that somebody would come that would break this servanthood thing that had them all wrapped up. They were sick of the Roman dominion and, and uh, the oppression and they were taxed to the very hilt and basically they were in slavery to this bunch of dictators. And they, 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 they were loaded down with Roman law and and subjugation, and they lived in torment, and they lived in, in fear. Do you ever get tired of being bound up by fear? Do you ever get weary with that? Am I just talking to myself here? Do you get tired of it? Let me read you something. One young devil asked an old man, how did you manage to bring so many souls to hell? The old devil answered, I instilled fear in them. Answered the youngster, great job. And what were they afraid of? Wars? Hunger? Answers the man, no, they were afraid of the disease. But this youngster, does that mean they didn't get sick? Are they not dead? There are no rescue for them? And the old man answered, but no, they got sick, died, and the rescue was there. The young devil, surprised, answered then, I don't understand. The old man answered, you know, they believe the only thing they have to keep at any cost is their lives. They stopped hugging, greeting each other. They moved away from each other. They gave up all social contact and everything that was human. Later, they ran out of money, lost their jobs, but their choice because they were afraid for their lives. And that's why they quit their jobs without even having bread. They believed blindly everything they heard and read in the papers. 
They gave up their freedoms. They didn't leave their own homes literally anywhere. They stopped visiting family and friends. The world turned into such a concentration camp without forcing them into captivity. They accepted everything just to live at least one more miserable day. And so living, they died every day. And that's how it was very easy for me to take their miserable souls to hell. That was believed to be ever written 1942 by one of the great theologians. I'm here to announce to you on this Palm Sunday 2021 that the conqueror is about to come. And you can unload all of your fears and hand them all over to him and get a life again. There's freedom from torment. Fear has America literally divided. Fear produces prejudice. Fear creates what we call judgmentalism. Everybody seems to be so divided and so opinionated. Paul writing to the church down at Thessalonica, he tells them that this great conqueror is about to come back. He said, Jesus will come again. And when he comes, he'll come with his saints as Lord of Lords, King of Kings. And at that time, every knee will have to bow down to him. Every tongue will confess to who Jesus Christ really is. I'm trying to say, get your praise garments out. Get your palm granite and begin to wave it around and begin to say hallelujah and hosanna, king of kings, lord of lords. Why? He's coming back again. And when he comes again, he'll not come as a meek, lowly lamb to be slaughtered. He'll return as a roaring lion out of the tribe of Judah to conquer and to rule his kingdom. And he's coming for saints and with his saints. Let me tell you this, following his coming, there won't be any week later that there'll be a crucifixion. It's already happened. And I see not only the cold, and I see not only this crown, but I, I see a cross. Now, I, we, know, we all know that in just a few days, they're gonna drag him out of that garden after a dirty kiss by Judas on his cheek and they'll tie him up and they'll, they'll whip his back and they'll do a mock trial and they'll lead him out of those ancient gates and up that little narrow path that goes across the brook of Kidron and on up to a skull-shaped mountain and they'll lay him out on a wooden cross and they'll pick that cross up and drop it into a granite socket until it shakes his bones out of location. Then begins the six hours of an ignominious death as they crucify him. Actually, he laid down his life. They couldn't take it from him. We know there'll be a cross, but I just want for a moment you to notice a little cross found in this passage that maybe you overlooked. It's a very interesting little item. For you see those burls, those ancient burls, those little Palestinian burls that occupied Jesus' time. When Jesus climbed on the back of this little colt, there was a perfect cross, a natural cross on his back. Can't see it very well, but there's a long line from one end of that back of that little burl, a dark line that runs, and then there's a small line that crosses it. And there's a natural cross, a perfect cross on the back of those Palestinian burls. Without any doubt in my mind, Jesus as he climbed aboard that little old burl with that cross that he had set on, it prefigured the cross that soon he would die on for the sins 
of mankind. St. John's Gospel tells us that when the word of Lazarus' resurrection from the dead had spread, that crowds wanted to come and see Jesus. Boy, had they gathered in that ancient city of Jerusalem. Word got to the Pharisees, and they said, the world is going after him. John records it in the 12th chapter, verse 9. Much people of the Jews came not for Jesus' sake only, but that they might see Lazarus also, whom he had raised from the dead. But the chief priests consulted that they might put Lazarus also to death, because that by reason of him, many of the Jews went away and believed on Jesus. Now, it'll be just a few days later that Lazarus will sell his Lord for the price of a slave. Somebody said that Judas, I meant Judas. Somebody said that Judas sold Jesus, the Lord, for 30 pieces of silver. Yet I find it very intriguing that never once at any time, any place in the scriptures did Judas ever acknowledge Jesus Lord. If he's not Lord of your life, you're going to struggle like Judas and use Jesus for your own gain. There will come a time when the Judases of all ages will have to confess that he is Lord of all. On that Palm Sunday, more than 2,000 years ago, Jesus could only prefigure the triumphal entry into this world because he had to die for our sins of mankind first. He had to make it to the cross. The devil had already offered him the kingdoms of the world back in that wilderness temptation. Here, you can have all of this if you'll just bow down and serve me. He wasn't interested in the crown. He was interested in the cross because if he got to the cross and died for our sins, you and I be saved. One day, the crown conqueror is going to return. There was a coat to carry, a crown for a conqueror, certainly a cross for the Christ. Have you come to the cross? Have you allowed him to be the conqueror over all of the areas of your life that has tied your life down? He wants to loose you set you free. Father, we thank you on this Palm Sunday that you made that prefigured triumphal entry because we know very, very soon you're coming again. You can, this beautiful morning like we're gathered in and inside this sanctuary while it's a bit rainy outside, we can walk out of here so loose from our past so divorced from all those things that had addicted us and robbed us of serving you. Habits that we just never quite let go of and they wouldn't let go of us. David said, my sin is always before me. He knew his sin. If anybody's in the house with sin in their life, they know what their sin is. They know what it is that's gripped their heart and their mind and is holding them back from full victory and spiritual recovery. And I pray in these next few moments as we contemplate, think about the fact that you came. You came so you could go all the way from the hikes of heaven 
past the barns of Bethlehem and literally step your way into the forefront of our life and call to us. Of all the people you met in the roadways of life, walking those Roman streets, we're glad you can confront us this morning with our need. If we need separated from any sin, all we've got to do is call out to you, hand over our fears and our failures and our weaknesses and the iniquities and everything that's hindered us from full victory. And I wonder just for a moment with the beautiful music, I wonder how many of the house would say, Pastor, on this Palm Sunday, I'd like to settle some issues with God. Would you stand with me, our eyes closed, our heads bowed? Is God whispering to your heart? Would you like to pray? What a beautiful moment. Stand with me if you would. If God's whispering to you, why don't you respond to his message on a personal level to your heart? You can find freedom from what it is that binds you and ties you down and keeps you from coming to the Christ. He has need of you today. He has a plan for you today. He has a purpose for your life. Why don't you let him untie you from that old background of your failures and give you victory this morning. Is there anybody else would want to come? Has God spoken to anybody else besides a young person? Somebody else in the house? Preacher, I think this Palm Sunday would be a wonderful time to make my move. There's people here to pray with you. There's enough God in the house to transform your life. Anybody else feel like you want to pray? Would you step out and come? Waiting just a moment. All right, thank, thank God for some that have gathered with this one. Father, we thank you for this time. Would you bring dismissal to the service, but not to your dealings? Bring us back to a great Friday evening and a great Sunday morning of Easter. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you need to go, go quietly. Visit out there in the grand foyer. But let's just kind of keep a spirit of quietness so that this one praying at the altar can find victory. Thanks for being a part of the Voice of the Nazarene. Visit us every Sunday at 9 a.m. with BNC's pastor, Ray LaSalle. For more information regarding BNC, visit BusirisNazarene.org.